Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome to the pod. Today, I am going to resume a series that I began at the beginning of this year, and the series that I had begun in January was on marriage. And that particular series on marriage was a class that I was teaching to the adult Sunday school class uh, at the chapel, but it was suspended because our church services and classes were suspended due to COVID. And in the intervening months, I've used my podcast to address uh, some biblical issues and cultural slash political issues, but we are looking as a church to begin Sunday school classes on September 13th, and with that in mind, or with that in view, I should say, I really wanted to get back into the discussion on marriage and publish a few episodes ahead of time. Um, so that people who are in that class and you as the listeners who maybe don't know me very well or know our church could connect with those episodes that had already been published. And this will allow people in our church to connect with the lessons that had already been published. So I was a few weeks behind. Hopefully, I will be able to catch up to some degree. So if you're wondering what episode was the last one in the marriage series, it was episode 50 on God's design for headship and submission within marriage. And that episode focused primarily on the husband's headship and leadership role. And today I'm going to talk about the wife's role of submission. Now this is a controversial topic to be sure. And if you would go back and listen to some of those episodes, I believe it's episode 49, I talk a great deal about complementarianism and egalitarianism, and why I believe that complementarianism is the correct approach to marriage relationships from a biblical point of view and a biblical perspective. So you can go back to episode 49 and check that out if you want to. Check out episode 50. That'll get you some material on headship and leadership in marriage. And today I'm going to tackle the very controversial subject of submission in marriage, the wife's submission in marriage. The topic of submission in general is, I think, especially difficult for Westerners. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to broaden this category Submission is difficult for Westerners. So that would be people in America, Europe, uh, people who are trained to think like Westerners. So Canada, South America. I mean, there, there's a, when I say Westerners, I don't just mean the Western world, but people who have been trained to think like Westerners. We tend to be very independent-minded. We tend to question authority. That is a very important axiom of truth that Western thought and Western society has. It didn't always used to be this way, um, although I, th- I will say that I think in general Western thought 
stresses and values independence and critical thinking, perhaps more than an Eastern mindset or a Middle Eastern mindset. So submission, the notion of submission, the practice of submission, has always been a challenge for Western thinkers. And it continues to be an even greater challenge today because we have abandoned a, an agreement upon any objective or absolute standards. What I mean by that is we don't have any absolute or objective truth source or truth text or truth standards that we are willing to agree to in our society. What we have instead is a subjective pattern of truth, a subjective reality whereby your truth is just as important and just as valid as my truth. And if your truth is just as important as my truth, why should I submit to you? Okay. That's the reason that we have very difficult time understanding and practicing submission in our culture, especially America. We do not see the need to submit to somebody else when your truth claim is just as valid as their truth claim. We have a very hard time with that. But submission, submission is something that is ordained by God and established by God and set up by God for the benefit of every individual who lives in society. So let's ask the question, what is submission? In its very basic definition, in its very basic sense, submission is the voluntary yielding of yourself to a God-established authority. All right, so it is a voluntary yielding of your will to a God-established authority. And submission is primarily an act of the will. It is a choice that you make. So submission is an attitude. All right, submission is an attitude that you adopt and that you practice. And like any other attitude, sometimes you do better with it and sometimes you do worse with it. All right, there are other attitudes we could name as examples, the attitude of being joyful. Sometimes um, we are very joyful and sometimes we struggle with being joyful. Submission as an attitude is something that we must practice on a regular basis. It is a submission of our will to a God-established authority. Submission is also an attitude and a practice that is observed regardless of skill, intelligence, or ability. All right, consider that submission is something that you practice and observe regardless of skill, intelligence, or ability. You may have in a marriage a wife who is far superior in her intelligence and in her capabilities to her husband. But just because she has a superior intelligence and ability does not mean that she adopts the role of leadership by default. That would be contrary to God's design. Another important point to note about submission is that because it is an attitude, it is not an indicator of kind. 
All right, now I'm, I'm defining kind according to kind in the Bible. Now, when you look at Genesis 1, you find that all the animals were created after their kind. So every winged bird was made after its kind. Cattle was made after its kind. Creeping things were made after their kind, etc., etc., etc. Submission has to do with your attitude, not your kind or your type. There has been a, a misconception and a false teaching that women are somehow an inferior kind to men, that they are an inferior class. There has also been a teaching that um, various ethnic groups are inferior in kind to one another. And therefore, if you're of a particular ethnic group, you must automatically submit to a, another ethnic group. All right, submission has nothing to do with kind. Submission, ha submission has everything to do with an act of the will and an attitude of yielding your will to the will of a superior. Now consider this. God the Father and God the Son are both equally God. They are the same kind. Their kind is divine being. Both of them have all the attributes and characteristics that make them God. Yet the Son willingly yielded himself to the Father's will, especially as it related to the purpose of dying on the cross to accomplish God the Father's plan of redemption. Note what Philippians 2 has to say about this. He, that is Jesus Christ, existed in the form of God, but he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You can see here that Jesus and God are of the same kind. Jesus and God the Father, that is, are of the same kind. But Jesus purposefully submitted his will to the fathers to accomplish the father's task and purpose. It's the same way in marriage. A husband and a wife are both of the same kind. We are both made in the image of God. All right? But in God's established order, the wife is to be submissive to the husband. The wife is to submit herself, her will, to the husband, and that is an act of the will. It is an attitude that she adopts. And according to Genesis chapter 3, one of the curses that was given to Eve, one of the consequences of sin, is that her desire would be to not submit to her husband. Her desire would be to rule over her husband. And the result of this for women today is that they have to work really hard to practice and to grow in submission. I also believe that submission is a virtue. It's an act of the will. It's an attitude. It is a virtue. And like any other virtue, it is something that you can grow in and improve in over time. 
So wives, if you are out there and you're very discouraged because you don't have a very submissive attitude or you've struggled with submission or it doesn't seem to come naturally to you, don't despair. It doesn't come naturally to you because you're under the effect of the curse and the curse affects everybody to some degree, but it affects some people more than others. Some people have a natural personality that wants to practice different parts of the curse to a greater degree than other people do. Submission is a voluntary yielding to God-established authorities. And what do we mean when we say God-established authorities? I think if we examine the whole context of Scripture, we can see that God has established multiple spheres of submission and authority. The most obvious sphere is submission of God's creatures to God himself. The second most obvious sphere would be citizens to their governing authorities. All right, citizens are to submit to the governing authorities that God has established. A third area of submission is children to parents. All right, we agree, even if maybe you don't take a complementarian perspective of submission within a marriage, most people, the vast majority, would agree that children ought to submit to parents. In the Bible, there is a category of slaves submitting to masters. And we, in our culture, have, uh, because of our aversion to slavery and our aversion to talk about the realities of slavery, we have changed that from slaves to masters. We've changed it from that to employees to employers. All right, employees are to submit to their employers. But in the biblical mind, there, there wasn't that concept. It was slaves submitting to their masters. And then lastly, the last category and the last sphere of submission that is defined in the Word of God that is very, very important is the submission of wives to husbands. Now, in the previous episode where I addressed the husbands, I talked about some of their responsibilities to lead their wives and to cultivate good headship practices. But today, what we're going to do is talk about what submission does and doesn't do. How do you, as a wife, submit to your husband? Finally, I want to say this. The main point of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 6-4, is this. While it does uh, point out that wives are to submit to husbands— the whole point of that particular passage, Ephesians 5:22 through 6:4, is to show and demonstrate that God has established all these various spheres of authority for the benefit of society. So we, as we interact with various people groups in society, if we practice submission to the right people groups, in general, things will go well for you. This is what Peter teaches in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, uh, verses 11 through 17, that if you submit to the proper authorities, generally things will go well with you. Now, you may suffer persecution anyhow, just because you're a Christian, but in general, if you submit to to the proper authorities, things will go well for you. So what does that look like? 
All right. What does that look like for women to submit to their husbands? Let's talk about what submission does. All right. Submission, in a positive sense, imitates the attitude of Jesus Christ in obeying the commands of the Lord God. All right. To properly submit to your husband, wives, you must realize that you are under obligation first and foremost to the law of God. And God's law is objective and absolute, and it is true for all times. So it doesn't really matter what your society thinks about submission. If you are a believer, you are subject to the law of God. And in God's law, he commands that wives submit to their husbands. And so wives, you must also submit to your husbands no matter what society or what culture you live in, because you need to imitate the attitude of Jesus Christ in obeying the commands of the Lord God. But what else does submission do? Submission also seeks to affirm, honor, and uphold the husband's God-given authority and leadership. And I want to turn your attention to Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Older women are given some instructions on how to teach and encourage younger women in Titus chapter 2. And here is part of what should be taught to younger women, beginning in verse 4. So that they, these are the young married women, they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. A proper attitude and a proper practice of submission will not pervert God's design or subvert God's design, but it will look to complete and model God's design. Recall, women, that God made you to be a suitable helper. You are the helpmate to your husband. You need your husband as much as he needs you. All right, that's the whole goal and the whole purpose of a helpmate. You assist him. And how do you assist him? In whatever ways that you guys decide that you can assist him. But one of the ways that you do not assist your husband is by taking over leadership in the home. And if you do take over leadership, note what verse 5 says, you will dishonor the word of God. You see, if you properly are submissive and if you properly subject yourself to your own husband, you will honor the word of God. But if you do not subject yourself to your own husband, the word of God will be dishonored. And that brings shame and reproach upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So wives, in order to be submissive, or one of the motivations, I should say, for being submissive, is that you want to affirm, honor, and uphold God's design. You want to affirm God's plan for the family, which is that husbands are the head and wives are to submit. 
All right, so there are the those are the first two things that submission does. All right, the next thing that submission does is this. Submission uses God's stated means of winning over your husband, whether your husband is a believer or not. And this comes from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, where Peter writes this, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. So God's prescribed method for women to win their husbands is through obedience to the word of God. This is very different than the method that a lot of women choose to use, which is to nag or badger or manipulate either physically or monetarily or in some other way, their husband. No, God's prescribed method for winning over your husband is to obey the word of God, to be submissive, and then to allow the spirit of God time to work on your husband's heart and work on your husband's life. God's method isn't a popular method because it doesn't prescribe to the egalitarian preferences that many of us have and the egalitarian perspective that many people promote. To win over your husband by using only your actions seems very counterintuitive. And yet, it is the method that God has used or God has prescribed for wives to win over their husbands. Now, we acknowledge, or let me acknowledge, first of all, that the primary application in this passage is for unbelieving husbands. I believe that the husbands who were primarily being spoken about here or who are primarily being described were unbelievers. That being said, I think the principle applies to believers, meaning that if you are a Christian— or two Christians who are married, then you as a wife ought to try to implement this principle as you seek to influence your husband. Now, what would this look like in a marriage? What would this look like? Well, here's what it would look like. Let's say as a wife, you want to provide some direction or insight as to how you think something should happen within the family. And let's say that you present that to your husband, which is fine. I think that's perfectly legitimate, and I think it should be encouraged more than perhaps it is. You present it to your husband, and he is not sold on that particular idea. How are you going to get him to, how are you going to get him to practice that? Let's say that you think it's very, very important and you feel very strongly about it. He's rather indifferent or perhaps even somewhat um, adversarial towards that position. The method that many people use, that many women use, is to nag or badger or manipulate to try to get their husband to cave in to their position. 
And that's not what you want to do. You don't want to get into the pattern of nagging or manipulating or badgering to get your husband to cave into the position. What you ought rather do is present the position, present the direction, and then live obediently to the word of God. Be submissive. Honor your husband and pray that the Holy Spirit would work on his heart. Now, perhaps, perhaps what you have suggested may never come to pass, and you have to be willing to live with that. That's part of the reality of living in a sin-cursed world. But perhaps if you would seek to follow Peter's advice and the Holy Spirit's instruction, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would change your husband's heart, and he might come to see that what you have proposed as a wife is a good idea and a good direction, and he would choose to, in fact, lead in that direction. He would lead according to your suggestion. Now, the benefit to you wives when you commit to doing this, and you do it on a repeated basis, I believe is this, that as you present things to your husband and submit to him and not manipulate him, he will begin to trust what you have suggested. He will begin to see how you are acting as a helpmate to him, and in the future, he will more readily accept the ideas and suggestions that you have. This is the appropriate way to help persuade your husband to something that uh, you believe the Bible teaches or that God is calling you to do or your family to do. It's a way that you can have input into blind spots that your husband may have, either as a husband or as a father. But you need to, as a wife, use God's stated means of winning your husband over, not the means that you think will best accomplish the task. For if you use your means, let me give you a warning. You can easily cultivate resentment and bitterness in your husband, and that will have long-term negative consequences in your relationship. Finally, and this is the final point for this particular episode, Submission seeks to edify, that means to build up one's husband in such a way that he reaches his full potential as a man of God. All right, this is a really important point. Submission, if you're going to submit to your husband, you are going to seek to build up your husband in such a way that he reaches his full potential as a man of God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, again, verses 5 and 6, Listen to how Peter describes Sarah's relationship to Abraham. He says this, For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husband, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Now, we recoil at the thought of calling somebody Lord, again, because of our societal training and cultural conditioning. But when Sarah called Abraham Lord, she was really demonstrating the great amount of respect that she had for him and her desire to be a part of what God had planned for Abraham and for Abraham's family. 
Now, I don't think this means that you have to go out and call your husband Lord, but I think the attitude that Sarah had of wanting to do everything she could to uphold and uplift and honor her husband is something that many women today could really improve upon. You know, in our culture, in our society, husbands basically have a pretty bad reputation. They are portrayed as being dumb, stupid, impotent. They are incapable. They're always the ones who create problems and never solve problems. They're not the hero of the story. They're often the butt of jokes. And this passage, these two verses in particular, are calling husband, calling wives, excuse me, to treat their husbands as Lord. That means with a great amount of respect to uplift and uphold, to help in areas where he is weak, not to overlook sin, not to brush sin under the rug, but to demonstrate real honor because of the authority that God has given to husbands and because of the position that God has given to husbands. And wives, if you do this, it is a great example to your children, and it's a great example to others who observe your marriage. You know, in Proverbs 31, verses 11 and 12, talk about the wife seeking to do good for her husband to build him up all the days of his life. The Proverbs 31 woman was an incredibly productive contributor to society and to the family, but her primary goal was to seek to do good for her husband to build him up all the days of his life. This is a very important distinction to make, especially in the day and age in which we live, when men are treated like second-class citizens. They really are, Um, and it is a sinful reaction to the quote-unquote patriarchy, but many forces in our culture want to do away with male leadership, male authority, male role models, male heroism, and they want to celebrate all kinds of female heroism and any kind of uh, sexually perverted heroism, such as uh, treating LGBTQA plus individuals as the great heroes of society. So women, if you want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to be a great example in your community, in your church, within your family, not just your immediate nuclear family, but perhaps your extended family as well. You should seek to do these four things that submission does. First, imitate the attitude of Jesus Christ. Second, affirm, honor, and uphold the husband's God-given authority and leadership. Third, use God's stated means of winning over your husband. And fourth, Seek to edify, that is, to build up your husband in such a way that he reaches his full potential as a man of God. One final comment on that last point. When you, as a wife, seek to build up your husband so that he is a better man of God, that means that things will go well for you too. 
your life will be improved the more your husband reflects Jesus Christ. All right, for the sake of time, I'm going to have to stop right here, and episode 65 will be part two of how God has designed submission in marriage. So thank you so much for uh, considering these truths. If something that I presented was difficult or perhaps different than you've heard before, um, feel free to reach out, write me an email or a text message or a comment on the post. I'll get back with you. We can have a discussion. But also, maybe even before you do that, bring these things before the Lord to see if it isn't so. You know, every time we read or listen to the Word of God, we ought to be confronted with the, the truth of the Word of God, and it should cause us to be transformed so that we come away differently than when we began. I pray that this would be a great blessing for you, not only in your personal life, but also in your marriage and your family life as well. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the Word of God.